The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals and connect with FunWise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. You don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan. They can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Define ready. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here. As always, crazy week this week. Lots of shows. Uh, and tonight. I have a show that is probably a little bit up here, over my head. Hopefully not too much, but uh, we're going to be talking about free will. And um, I blew it, actually, starting the program this evening because (laughs) it's been that kind of a crazy week. Tuesday night we had uh, Henry Phillips here. As you know, we don't normally do Tuesday night shows anymore. I used to do every night of the week. But now just doing Wednesday night shows. Tuesday night, Henry and I were faking a morning show so that because he's it's too early for him to actually make the morning show, so that I can air that at another time as a real morning show. And then last night with Craig just not back in the swing of the Wednesday night program. And then tonight I'm off my game. That's that's my excuse for what I wanted to say was free will. I didn't even know he was in jail. But we're going to be talking about free will. In other words, are all your actions, everything you do in life, predetermined? Or are you the master of your own life? Are your actions and thoughts your own? David Lawrence is my guest tonight, and he's written a book, Are We Biochemical Robots? David Lawrence was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, where he received a BA from UCLA and a JD from USC. Finding himself frustrated by popular presentations about the nature of consciousness, David sought to explore the conventional wisdoms of pop culture, in particular the question of whether we have free will or are are determined, in short, in in short, is personal or autonomy an illusion? 
uh, I guess reading might be an illusion for me tonight. I'm really, I, I'm sorry. I apologize for being so, uh, I'm over, overwhelmed with the subject, to be honest with you. The point of uh, departure for, uh, for his investigation with Sam Harris, popular author and uh, podcast host, a popular book called Free Will. David Lawrence is with me tonight. And welcome in. Welcome to uh, the show, David Lawrence. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to have you again. Now, um, I, I, a little bit before the program, I told you I do listen to Sam Harris and don't always agree with him. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. One thing I'm very much in agreement with him, he said on Lex Fridman's po- uh, podcast last week or two weeks ago, uh, that there are subjects where you should know, people, meaning anybody who the individual should know, that yes, everybody has a right to an opinion, but you haven't earned uh, the credentials to have an opinion on a particular subject. In other words, if it was brain surgery, a guy like me should know that I have no place offering an opinion on brain surgery. This is one of those topics where I feel like I'm not educated enough to mm-hmm. offer an opinion. I will, so I'm here to try to learn something at best. First question for you is, why is this important to to the everyday person? Well, I think it's probably the most important question there is. That sounds a little bombastic, but it's really about whether we can think for ourselves, whether we can form intentions, whether we can control our actions, whether we can influence reality. Because if we can't, we're victims. We're helpless victims to whatever powers are running things. And but let me just stop you there. So if if that's the case and we don't know it, does it matter? So if we're helpless victims, like if I believe I have free will, but I really don't, mm-hmm. but I believe I do, does it impact me in in any way that I could have any like make any difference over? We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to believe you don't have free will. That's that's a whole subject that is it's it's vital to the topic. Right. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. But you would never know. But I'd like to save that for when we sort of dive into that topic. Okay. Uh, Is it is it uh, cutting to the chase or is it spoiling anything to say to ask you what your beliefs on this are that whether we do have free will or, Mm -hmm. or not? My belief is that we have free will with one or two huge asterisks. So the asterisks are, uh, I think the biggest one is that science can't answer the most fundamental questions of the cosmos. When you think about it, it's pretty amazing. We don't know how the universe began. We don't know if anything came before. We don't know why it's exponentially expanding. We don't know what dark matter is all about. I mean, I, I, I could go on. We don't know what quantum physics says about reality. We don't know why quantum physics uh, conflicts with relativity theory. Uh, we don't know the nature of consciousness. There's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know how life uh, uh, formed from matter. We don't know how consciousness formed from life. We don't know what adaptive purpose, if there is one for consciousness. So so my asterisk is when you think about the fundamental questions of the cosmos, we don't know. And I mean, this is admitted by science. You can look at any Lex Fridman podcast and you'll hear a scientist admitting that that's the case on these issues. So, so 
in the midst of all that cosmic mystery and uncertainty, it just seems kind of implausible to say, oh, but we know there's no free will. Right. We know the nature of consciousness, but we know that there's no free will. We don't know how consciousness interacts with reality. There's no free will. So in the bigger context of what science knows and doesn't know, we've got to solve a lot of other fundamental questions before we get to the question of free will. Right. Now, I don't, I don't think it's going to be answered. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, if there isn't free will, the people who, who, uh, who are on the side of saying there is no free will, that would mean that I'm being fooled. Either I'm fooling myself or there is some entity out there that is purposely fooling me because I believe I have free will. So in order for, for there not to be free will, one of two things has to be true. Either I'm fooling myself or somebody is fooling me, right? Or am, I, am I correct in that? Do you agree? Well, yes and no. Let, let's jump into that question about that I deferred for a second. It sort of is the punchline, but, but we're going right to it. Nothing wrong with that. The problem with saying that we are determined. Right. Our, our thoughts and actions are determined. They're controlled by a source that's outside. Right. And we believe and think whatever that outside source dictates we don't have any say in it we can't believe otherwise okay right so, so if you take the premise that we don't have anything to do with what we believe and we don't control what they believe we don't control what we believe what does that say about what we think is true there is it means no that whatever we think is true is another thought that's controlled by an outside source we don't believe it because it's true we believe it because we were forced to believe it and can't believe otherwise. So, for example, if you, you take a thought that you have no doubt is true right now, any anything about your life or anything. All right. Want me to tell you what it is? If, if it's uh, if it's tellable. Oh, yeah, I, be I believe we live on a sphere, a globe, uh, not a flat earth. That's what I believe. Okay. <laughs> so if your beliefs are caused by outside sources then that belief is because you were caused to believe it, you had to believe it, and you couldn't believe otherwise. You don't control it. That belief about the earth was, was dictated by an outside source. And it doesn't matter what that source is. I just want to get the concept of what it means to not control right. beliefs, which is, which is part of determinism. So the outside source could be a, a devil, an evil genius, an indigestion, God, the matrix, whatever. But we'll just say you're not controlling your thoughts. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Just for the hell of it, let's do another. Tell, tell me something that you're absolutely certain in. Uh, so I'm certain that I am sitting in a chair in uh, a room that used to be my garage right now. Okay. So if we lived in a world premised on the idea that our thoughts aren't controlled by us, they're put into our brain by outside sources, and we don't have any say and we can't think otherwise, then your belief is not true. You don't believe it because it's true. You believe it because this outside source put it in your brain and made you believe it. And right. you had no choice. Okay. So the problem is that where is truth in all of this? If all of our thoughts are controlled by an outside source, every belief we have about what's true is just another 
thought that's planted in our brain by an outside source. Right. Okay. So the problem with determinism is that it says everything we think is controlled by an outside source. Everything we believe is true is dictated by an outside source. We can't control it. We have no say in it. We can't believe otherwise. So you have to say to the determinist, well, wait a second. You just told us that determinism is true. You just told <laughs> us that our, that our thoughts, our thoughts are planted in our brain right. by something else that we don't control. So I guess that means that your thought, determinist, was planted in your brain. And that means that you believe it under your own philosophy, not because it's true, but because you were forced to believe it by whatever this outside force is. Right. So then if the determinist says, well, wait a second, I can prove to you that determinism is true. No, it really is true. I can prove it. Here's why it's true. Da, 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 da. So your answer, right, is, but wait a second, isn't that a train of thoughts and beliefs that this outside source planted into your brain, which you believe not because it's true, but because under your own philosophy, under your own principles, you had no choice. You were forced to believe it. Right. You believed it because an outside source told you you have to believe this. The problem with determinism is it's self-contradictory. It violates logic. It's nonsensical. It paints itself into that corner that basically it is the victim of its own philosophy. But the question, I, has anybody ever challenged Harris with, with what you just said? Because to me, I could see where you were going um, a mile ahead. And it seemed absolutely logical if... If you wrote this book about this and all, all you're saying is it's true, obviously it's true for you because that same entity, well, maybe not the same, maybe there's more than one in their belief system or whatever that is. But it's got to be, he had to have seen that coming. Has anybody directly challenged him with that position? You know, there was a show that I tried to find somewhat recently where at the very end, he was leaving. They were all exiting off stage. It was a panel. At least that's my memory. And somebody threw out to him, I don't know if they used a technical word for this kind of a contradiction, which is called a perf performative contradiction. There's a name for these kinds of uh, dog biting his tail kind of self-contradictory claims. Somebody threw out something about that, that with or without mentioning it. And he said, Again, this is my recollection and a, and a loose paraphrase. I've tried to find it. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've never understood that claim. And I think he said it. He didn't say it in the sense of I don't understand it mentally or intellectually. I think he said that I don't get why anyone thinks that claim makes sense. It was just a little throwaway at the end. I don't know anything else that where, where people have said it to him and people don't raise it in the context of determinism. Amazing. It's amazing because it seems like very a very simple concept once you put it in the, in the terms of your thoughts are, and your beliefs of what, what you believe is true is determined by an outside source. Just you saying that came to you by that same, not necessarily the same outside source, though, is in determinism and, and Sam Harris in particular, this idea that 
somebody else or some other thing, some other entity is in control of what your thoughts are and what your beliefs are, mm-hmm. is it necessarily a unified source or because there are people, we, we have different beliefs and different people on the planet who believe different things, you would think that they are competing entities putting in, in if that's got to be the case, right? Or am I just lost here? <laughs> No, but the yes, uh, it's funny because if you, who, whatever the source is, could be making you think it's another source, right? I right. Mean, it could be the devil making you think it's your your favorite, you know, fairy godmother. I mean, who knows? Right. But the thing that all of those people have in common, it doesn't matter what the source is. They're all making the same logical contradiction. They're saying, "I know what's true," and what's true is that our beliefs are caused by something we have no control over and we believe it because we're caused to believe it. Right. So the, the common denominator is every single one of those claims is what's called a performative contradiction. They're performing and making a statement that contradicts their ability to even make that statement. So now the, uh, if we do believe in free will, it, it, can we reclaim defend like, uh, a real truth. There's truth because truth is always subjective under uh, this de- determinism model. It's always subjective, right? There is no real concrete truth. It's no. Can, it, does free will provide us a path to regain truth? Like truth is a thing. <laughs> yes, it does. It's 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 the only way to to have the. A, a truth out there and a subject who's capable of of interacting and and separating what's true from what isn't can so, you explain uh, it to me like like because uh, uh, i am like 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 just say i'm like a junior high school student i don't want to be too tough on myself i was going to say grade school student let's uh like explain to me where that path is in in free will uh in free will to to knowing that there is a objective truth well, we have the ability to go out and examine reality. Uh, obviously, there's metaphysical assumptions behind this, but the idea of free will is that you are able to, to uh, control enough of your thoughts and actions, and you don't have to control all of them. One of the things that Harris does and other determinists do is they make an argument to the effect that if we don't control everything, we can't control anything, and it's a silly argument. Uh, that I that I discuss in the book, but we but but the premise of free will is that you have some limited ability to control your thoughts and actions. So you can say, as science does, I'm going to examine this. This is this is the topic for examination, and I'm going to set up these procedures in order to test what I think is true or my hypothesis. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to use my free will to follow those procedures and see what comes up and then I'm going to evaluate them and judge them and verify them and so forth and arrive at a conclusion that's based on what I did to observe and examine and have contact with what I'm exploring. All that's out of the question. If the world is determined, you're just going through motions that you're programmed to go through. You're programmed to go through. Now this is where, because for me, and again, I'm going to premise this, uh, keep coming back to this, that I believe I have free will. But couldn't that belief be planted, be programmed into me? In other words, I'll put it, I'll try to make it, the best example I can, can come up with is 
for this program and my morning program, I get lots of requests to be on the, on the show. I have become more selective, intentionally more selective on the guests I'm choosing to say yes to for a, a long period of time. Uh, when publicists sent me something, I proved everything a certain publicist would send, send to me. Now I'm being more selective. But is that just a belief that I'm being more selective? Like, obviously, I looked at the proposal for your book and I said that sounds like something I'm interested in mm -hmm. learning about mm -hmm. I want that person on my show but I believe my belief is I could have said no if I weren't interested that's with mm -hmm. me it, it, how do I know that mm -hmm. belief that I could have said no isn't programmed with <laughs> a program well, the, the, what we can know is let's start with the opposite okay which is that if you are determined if everything we do is, is a result of mechanical, physical causes in a big chain of cosmic dominoes that go back to the Big Bang, you know that you can't say, um, I, I, I was determined to do this because you've already wiped out the truth. Right. And you say, well, could I have thought otherwise? You've already wiped out the truth because your premises, everything you say comes from physical, causal sources that you can't control. So beyond that, then you get into the fact that there's all kinds of different beliefs and we have different levels of, of, of confidence in those beliefs. And those beliefs concern things that are highly verifiable from things that are not verifiable to things that are faith. So, so belief you know, covers a wide spectrum of things, some of which are susceptible to logical analysis, some to empirical analysis, some to no analysis. Right. And there are beliefs. So, so if we don't have free will, all that's out. You can't even say we don't have free will because it's contradicting yourself. You're making a truth claim in a world where there's no such thing. Right. And that's what rules out determinism. Now you're getting into sort of, well, what's the basis for my beliefs and what kind of belief is it? And, and how assured can I be? Then you, then you have to sort of now get into the nature of beliefs and the different kinds yeah, part part of this is that uncertainty of where my beliefs come from. I think a lot of us would love to get some clarity around that. Like, how do I how do I know that I truly have uh, free will, and, and are my thoughts my own? And I, I, you know, just skimming through the book, there. I just want to say, and I don't want to give. The, the book away to to people so i'm not going to you know, get real specific here but there are examples that i saw in there where i thought mm -hmm. there could be individuals mm -hmm. who are actually under their thoughts are not their own they are mm -hmm. um not free will but not necessarily some entity out there like uh, you mentioned charles Manson, and i don't want to get give too much away about the book but you mentioned manson in the book and one of the things about whether he could have you know been predestined does that take his responsibility away there's a, a conspiratorial and tom bell's book about this or i think that's the name tom bell about the C, uh manson and the cia that he was he was not acting under his own free will that he was programmed by uh, brainwashers by psycho, uh, you know, uh, psychedelic drugs and all the kind of stuff that government agents were giving them that. So there could be, I guess is a very long way of saying, it, there could be individuals who are truly 
not mm-hmm. acting of free will, but not mm-hmm. necessarily by some magical entity, unseen entity, by human beings, right? Does mm-hmm. that come into this conversation at all? Yeah, because if you think we're in a world where we can be deceived, then we're in a world where we don't have to be deceived. Wow. I mean, if you admit of the possibility that we can be wrong, which we frequently are as human beings, you're contrasting that with situations in which we can be right. Right. But under determinism, you can't ever be right. You can't know what you are because it's not your thought. It's planted that in your brain. Completely at odds with the Sam Harris that I know who believes he's right about everything. <laughs> right? Well, that's the problem with determinism, and I have uh, I talk a lot about that. You nobody is a determinist. Nobody is. Nobody lives their life that way. Nobody believes in it. Every moment of the day, every determinist believes they're going about making decisions, and that's their fundamental experience of life. Right. They've got a concept in their head that frames the world in a, a certain way, but they, they're not determinists. They don't believe it and they don't live it. But when they're in this intellectual environment, they have this framework that they stick to. What What's interesting is that they can't, that, that everything they do to sell determinism, let's put it this way, it's, it's sort of an area that I like to get into a bit. Everything they do to sell determinism, to persuade you that determinism is true, is violating determinism. Why? Because it's presuming that they're controlling their actions to give you their ideas and that their beliefs. It's presuming that their beliefs are valid, which is no such thing if they're planted in our brain by, you know, cosmic forces. And worst of all, they're presuming that they can change your opinion or at least attempt to and give you another perspective. Now, how the hell can they change your opinion if the world is determined and everything you think is due to mechanical forces that have spun out since the Big Bang? So you can't even talk about determinism without violating determinist principles. Well, uh, let me play devil's advocate there for just a second. And I don't want this is not my thought on it, but this Mm -hmm. is what the argument I've been presented with that in religious uh, uh, context and that maybe <clears throat> the belief that I'm being driven to try to convince you because whatever the entity uh, has already planned, this is the, their plan for me is to use me and you know, you know that whole way. I'm being used as a tool by that entity, but you're pre- whether you're going to be converted or not is already predetermined. But I'm the I'm the instrument they're using in that uh, conversion. So how do they know that that's true if they've been determined to think that? They believe they they want to believe that. I think most in most cases it's like I want to believe I'm special. I'm being used by God or, or mm-hmm. you know. I think a lot of it is born out of that want wanting mm-hmm. to feel like my life has a purpose and my life's purpose is to rob you of your life's purpose <laughs> or or at least convince you to be on the same purpose that I'm on whether you want to or not. It's very strange. It's a very it is a lot of circular logic here and and I think you're quick to point that out with all this stuff if I'm going to try to convince you uh to believe something then it just doesn't seem like you can be predetermined to believe something if I needed to convince you of that. It just doesn't make sense, but Try and convince me that the world is determined and my mind can't change. Try and convince me that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. 
Yeah. Like, huh? I mean, the art of persuasion, which Harris is very good at, is the idea of being articulate enough about some argument or belief system or framework where the other person is going to use their free will and go, hmm, oh, yeah, okay, I can buy into that, or no, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. Can't do any of that in a determined world. But doesn't this... Because he is, he calls himself an atheist, right? Or uh, considers himself an atheist. Doesn't this idea fly in the face of atheism? Because whether you call it God or you call it a computer program or, or a simulation, uh, whoever is running this thing, the entity that is uh, mm-hmm. determining things, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you label it. You're, you're now in the area of theism as, as opposed to atheism, are you not? Well, how do you define theism when you say that? I mean, it's not a God entity kind of theism. It, 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 are you saying that it's like a, just a, a faith belief in... Well, not- it, belief in an entity, a, a super powerful entity that control your thoughts and free will, or, or in your will, your beliefs, your, your actions, all that stuff. That sure sounds like a God, whether you call it God or not. Anything that can determine what you do, what you think, what you feel. Uh, that mm-hmm. sure sounds mm-hmm. like God to me, doesn't it? Well, it's a materialistic God. I call it in the book a causal faith because it is a faith. And I think I think one of the things you're saying is that if you believe in that force and you can't even believe in that force because that force is running your beliefs, right. including the belief that that's a force, then, then you're in the area, you're out of the area of fact and science, and you're in the area of faith. Wow. And that, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, and it, it's surprising to me because I do look at Harris as a very brilliant guy that he hasn't thought this through mm-hmm. enough to, to ask himself these questions. Or do you think he has? You would think that if he has, well, one of the criticism I have with his book is that if you thought he, if he has, he presents things in such a one-sided way that you kind of want to say, but wait a second, there are some very good counter-arguments there, Sam. Go ahead and give us your expert opinion on why those aren't valid arguments. But nowhere in his book does he take on any such argument. So you're asking me whether he's thought about it. Uh, In that little clip about the performative contradiction or whatever that contradiction they called it, uh, he it seemed to suggest he had some familiarity with it. I mean, here's the thing. When it comes to postmodernism, you see this criticism all the time, the performative contradiction, the self-contradictory claim, because the chief claim of postmodernism is there's no such thing as truth. Truth is power games. Truth is a way of gaining power over somebody else. It's subjective. It's relativistic. There is no truth. And they're called to task all the time by commentators who say, but wait a second, you're saying there is no truth, but hello, that, that's a truth, right? right? Yeah. So how can you say, how can you make a declaration or a proclamation that you know what's true, but your very declaration or proclamation is there is no truth. It's just a power game. So does that mean you're using a, you're pulling a power play over me by telling me that everything is, uh, that, that there's no truth? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but I keep coming back to this idea that if you're going to write a book, you're putting yourself out there as an intellectual, mm-hmm. and you know there's holes, these these holes in the in the logic mm-hmm. of it, in the circular mm-hmm. logic of it. 
-hmm. you have to be at least expecting that somebody is going to notice some one, some one of your peers on an intellectual level with you is going to notice and present these to you, and you better have some pretty damn good arguments to uh, to back it up once those those disagreements start coming. It doesn't seem yeah. like that has happened in, in any of this case. And like you're the first person in now, what is it, eleven, thirteen years, something like that, since the book has come out, to actually challenge him in any way on this. That's so that's bizarre to me. I don't know if I'm the first person, but I haven't I haven't read um, anything that directly tackles it. There's there's two prior books addressed to his book. I don't think they 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 tackled it, um, and it is a mystery to me too. But it's not the only thing he gets wrong. I mean, he gets wrong all the science tests. He gets completely wrong, and he's a neuroscientist. So there's a lot of questions that one might have. And by the way, he's not the only one. It sounds like I, I may be picking on him, but the, the other determinists do the same thing. I mean, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. I give it a couple examples in the book of a, of a physicist who gets on stage at a, a World Science Festival and says, now, yeah, it's true. Our thoughts and actions are determined uh, by our brain seven to 10 seconds before we think them. And then she says, but, you know, we've developed the capacity for self-control and uh, we can control ourselves and we judge people morally by their ability to control themselves. <laughs> and you say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You just said that our brain decides our thoughts with neural impulses 10, 7 to 10 seconds before we think them. What do you mean we have self-control? What right. are you talking about? Where was that person who just told us that our brains control us? and everything we think, and now we have self-control. Harris is not the only one who does this. There's another example of a, a, a very good uh, biologist, an evolutionary biologist who's just terrific, who is very against free will, okay? And he talks about it in various videos. And he says, we don't have free will. Everything we do is kicked off by neural cascades in our brain. And again, this is a paraphrase. So show me a neuron that just is f fires on its own, doesn't have a prior cause, an antecedent neuron or what have you, and I'll, sh I'll talk about free will. Okay? Then you cut to another minute later, right? And he's saying, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't go out and arrest criminals. We got to take bad people off the streets. They're going to harm people, right? Um, we got a, a, he says, imagine you had, he gives an analogy. Imagine you had a car that was dangerous. You'd take it off the road, right? You'd either fix it or you'd lock it in the garage, but you wouldn't leave it on the road where it could hurt people, right? Okay. Again, so, so in one minute, everything we do is neural cascades, right? In the next minute, it's somehow we've got this miraculous ability to go and say, hey, we really should take dangerous people off the street and we can go ahead and do it because we can control our actions and we can decide whether to fix cars. Well, we could lock them in the garage. We could da da da, but we're not going to let them go on a road because that's wrong if they hurt people. Where did all that come from? If, 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 if everything we think is the mechanical byproduct of neural cascades, where did that go when one minute later we're, we're, we're doing the right thing and taking broken cars off the street and locking up criminals? Right. Yeah. Um, the big pro and you, your book gets right to, and maybe, uh, I, maybe I'm just, uh, uh, imposing my perspective on it, but I think your book gets right to this question of if all this, if, if that, 
model of the world, the determinism model of the world. That there's no accountability and there's no credit for anything. You, you're not, if everything you do is predetermined, then you shouldn't be re- held responsible for atrocities mm-hmm. and you should not mm-hmm. never get cre- credit for doing something good. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing matters then. So why even have law and order in a world where determinism is the model for the world? Is that exactly? I mean, you're 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 bringing up the whole area of morality and personal responsibility, and it's another area where everyone who says they're a determinist suddenly is not a determminist when it comes to hey, we got to lock up people and we have to incarcerate people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's where like how did the, I, I I gotta read the book again. I read it when it first came out, but. Uh, I'll be quite honest with you. I was pretty stoned at the time. I remember that. But even if I weren't stoned, a lot of this stuff feels too heady for the lay. You know, I didn't go to school for philosophy. This thing, these things are way bigger than what occupies my mind on a daily basis. I'm a, I'm a talk show guy. I'm a musician. Um, and so a lot of this stuff. I, I think about it and I say, wow, that's too heavy. I, I'm just going to get myself lost in a fog of confusion if I think too too heavy on these thoughts. But none of the, it, it doesn't seem to me he's, a, he's thought this through. It's like, an, uh, put it uh, put a, to get, and I'm not, again, I'm not, my purpose here isn't to bash Sam Harris. It's to, my surprise that an intellectual and somebody who I assume mm-hmm. always is much smarter than me, so he must have a, he must have a better grasp on reality uh, than I do because he's so much more educated than I am and that he hasn't bothered to think any of these really, really bad arguments through at all. Don't you have a friend, which I think we all have, who's super smart and super educated, and maybe we think that they're much smarter than we are, who's got the most screwball beliefs about some topic. When they start to talk about some topic, you go, they're out of their mind. They're out of their friggin' mind. And right. this is somebody that you like and you respect and you know is extremely knowledgeable and extremely articulate and all of that. I mean, people have screwball beliefs, and there's right. reasons for them. I mean, the scientific outlook is, is, I think, to large degree, the reason for looking at the world in a very material way and forgetting that there's a consciousness that's looking at it. And forgetting that when we make claims about reality, they might be applying also to the consciousness that's making that claim, which is where that contradiction comes from. But the scientific outlook is all that matters is material things and causal connections and and so forth. So I think a lot of it comes from things like that. And, you know, I have a friend who's got some crazy ideas about politics and that he has his own influences. And I'm sure he thinks my politics are just as crazy. Um, So we all have people. I mean, I'm answering your sort of question. I don't know Sam Harris, but 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 I generally agree with everything he says outside the realm of um, uh, free will and morality. Right. He's got a book on morality that that I think is is just as flawed. It's actually has related flaws to free will. But I generally agree with him. He's like my friend who's just got cockamamie beliefs in one area. Right. And my, my humble opinion. But these things can all be talked about. I mean, these aren't crazy things. Uh, and and I first of all, they, they may sound better when we're stoned. I don't know. You you read my book, Stoned. I don't know if you recommend it in that condition or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure whether that's that that makes it 
you know, more comprehensible or less, but, but I'll leave that to you. Well, it, for me, uh, believe it or not, for me, it's the thing that keeps me up. Most people say, well, yeah, wouldn't it put you to sleep? Well, I find that when I'm reading, uh, it's the thing that keeps me engaged because uh, if not, I fall. I tend to fall asleep, and I, I, it takes me forever to get through books. Then <laughs> that's the only reason I do. So I'm not recommending for everyone. I'm recommending for people who uh, get energy because everybody has a different kind of reaction to it. If you're a kind of person who gets energized, maybe it'll help you. Because a lot, I think it's an intimidating book. I will say that it's an intimidating book for somebody who doesn't consider themselves an, an intellectual in any way, and. Uh, generally is you know very mundane in their, in their life and does does not a philosopher <laughs> it's a very complicated book do you agree like this book would you say the book is for, for everybody or or you have to have a certain i don't know uh intellectual curiosity for to even get engaged in in this these ideas i think it's certainly for everybody who's read sam harris's free will or similar books on free will or who are listening to videos about from biologists or physicists talking about free will, which Lex Friedman, for example, on his podcast, got a lot of people and they stray into the subject of free will quite a, book, a bit. So it's probably for all those people. Right. I, did my, I did my best to make it as simple as possible. And from your reaction, it, it sounds like I didn't do well enough. But I think that when you think about it, 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 this is all common sense. I mean, it really comes down to this. You experience free will constantly it's our most fundamental most immediate experience could we be fooled by it the problem is when you say that we're fooled by it you're saying something that you could be fooled by it's a contradiction to say what determinism says our thoughts in the hands our thoughts are in the hands of outside forces that doesn't work it contradicts itself because if they were, you couldn't be here claiming that our thoughts and actions. So determinism is out of the picture. It's out of the game. It was it was voted out in the primaries. <laughs> I like that. It doesn't get to run in the election. Now, maybe free will does, and maybe there's a couple other things that do, but it doesn't qualify for the election. But it, it, it's really based on common sense. It's our most immediate experience, and determinism is self-contradictory. Now, in terms of morality... I don't know. I think that's simple common sense. If you're not responsible for your actions, if you're forced into doing what you do, how the heck can you be responsible? The concept of responsibility is based on the presumption that we can control our actions to some degree, not entirely. We have all kinds of influences, all kinds of traumas and all that kind of stuff. But to some degree, responsibility is based on controlling our actions. And if you take that out of the equation, there's no responsibility. There's no, I agree with you on this. And the problem I'm having with it is almost everybody who I can think of who talks about this idea of determinism, whether they use that word or not, mm -hmm. are very pro-responsibility people, accountability people. Yes. And that mm -hmm. hypocrisy is something I'm having a, a difficult time like, how could they not have addressed that within themselves? Because I know mm -hmm. I get into some debates with people, but I'm always constantly checking myself to see am I and sometimes I bring it out like, wait a minute, I'm talking out of both sides. And I said it this morning, caught my or yes, last night talking about, uh, you know, 
a very mundane subject about somebody who hates baby boomers. And I was talking about uh, how ageism and and to generalizing people in uh generations like that is ageist and it's no different than sexism or racism and all that kind of stuff and then i found myself doing it later on when i was turning around and saying but anybody it's it's gen x not boomers and i was like well they i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth now so i'm always in that mode of checking myself for hypocrisy and what it is i even pointed out how could that not because sam harris is not alone in this i can name probably 20 Big thinkers, the intellectual dark web people who believe in determinism, mm-hmm. are also heavy accountability and responsibility people. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. they not not one of them has checked themselves on their hypocrisy mm-hmm. level. <laughs> exactly, they, they they speak like determinists. They live like free will advocates, right? Because you can't you can't let responsibility or morality into the universe if we're controlled by outside sources. We're forced to do everything we do. Where's the responsibility? If somebody is forced to rob a bank, say somebody's taken a hostage, right? right? And a gun's to their head, and they're forced to help rob the bank. We don't think of them as responsible. Why? Because they had no control over their actions. They were forced to do what they were going to do. Well, under determinism, we always have a gun to our head. We're always forced to take every action. There's no difference. So it comes back to, are they really determinists? Are they, are they determinists in their heads as they're theorizing about things? But they're not determinists in their lives because they decide what shirt to wear. and They decide the time to put the socks in the washing machine, etc. Their lives are just one decision after another. So, so it is incredible, though. I, enjoy, I, I join you in being absolutely incredulous about how you can say on one moment where everything we think is neural cascades which determines everything we think and the other moment well we have to take broken cars we have to lock up criminals and by the way if you lock up criminals on the basis that you're preventing future harm excuse me if the world is predetermined if there's a bunch of big cosmic dominoes that knock things one after another how exactly are you going to prevent harm Determinism says that every harm that ever would befall everybody was determined back at the Big Bang. And you're a determinist out there saying, hey, we got to prevent harm. It's kind of like I can persuade you and change your beliefs. Yeah, it, it, it feels like determinism says nothing matters. And so if that's the case, if nothing matters, why should I do anything? If, if I should just test it and say if I'm just going to sit here and do nothing until the the universe makes me do something <laughs> or oh, whatever forces. I mean, why? Because you're, you're right. I mean, in, in their general lives, and again, we're picking on Sam Harris because he wrote this book, this particular book, but it could be anybody. In the morning, they get up, they put on their pants just like everybody mm-hmm. else. They're deciding mm-hmm. to put on mm-hmm. their pants. Now, mm-hmm. th- it's the argument they make that, and uh, is it like a hierarchical thing where, yeah, whatever is telling me to put on pants, but it's not choosing the pants I, I put on. Do I have any degree of free will in that or no? Or they they just think even though the coming down to the choice of pants you put on is all everything is determined. Well, I'm just grateful that if I'm determined, I'm always determined to put on pants, period, in the morning. <laughs> I, I'm, 
I'm grateful for that. Let me say <laughs> to the great cosmic forces that determined me. Thank you for not everybody who goes to Walmart plays yeah. by those rules. By the way, pardon me. Not everybody who goes to Walmart plays by those rules. Well, I'm just putting <laughs> that out there for people who might want to go, go to Walmart. Uh, not everybody there <laughs> wearing pants. <laughs> but I, so, didn't, I didn't know that. I guess I haven't been to Walmart lately. I, I uh, either send me pictures or I'm going to have to go see for myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but so um, hierarchy. Is there a hierarchy to any of this? Or no, it's 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 complete and comprehensive. Every single mm-hmm. uh, thing is predetermined. Well, that's what determinists think. They, they, with a qualification for randomness, there's some randomness can sprinkled in for spice, but randomness doesn't help free will because it's random. So you can't build anything on randomness that has to do with free will. So they're okay with some randomness as well, but it's an all but it's an all or nothing. Yeah, to go back yeah. to your question. Our thoughts are either under our control and generated by us, not all our thoughts, but the, the, the type that we do control, because thoughts pop into our brain from the unconscious and this and that. It's not an absolute thing in terms of free will. Um, but it, but if that's not the case, then they're controlled by the matrix or whatever it may be, and it's whatever's put into here. So in that sense, it's, it's an absolute one or the other. Wow. And in, it's bizarre. It's bizarre because I, yeah, I would love to see them in the moment. Like the, the early on in your book, you talk about um, you're thirsty, you're drinking a glass of uh, lemonade, and then you decide to go take another sip. And what makes you do that? Now there have been because oh, I'm mean, thinking that that through that little exercise thought thought exercise there. There are times where I thought, you know what. I don't feel like lemonade. I'm going to go get some water, even though I have a lemonade there. Now that that idea, and just if I had one of these determinists there, I would say, how does that fit in? Because I could either I'm thirsty, so the thirst is not what's driving my decision to go. Because I have, if I'm really if it's thirst driven, I have my drink right here. I don't have to get a different drink that I'm craving. That my, how does that fit into that whole determinism model? I guess. I don't know, whatever their God is or whatever their being or whatever that is controlling those thoughts is doing that with some kind of purpose, but they can't identify that purpose, right? Well, it could be random. If you're a determinist, you could say it's random whether I get water or uh, uh, alcohol or what have you. Harris uses that argument quite a bit. And again, we're not picking on him. He's just making determinist arguments and putting himself out there as a a representative of, of mainstream determinism. Not that he said that in so many words, but that's what he seems to be interested in doing. So so uh, uh, he uses that as an argument for if we can't say why we took, we chose water over beer, we don't have free will. And that's complete, complete nonsense as far as I'm concerned. It's not even an argument. Do intellectuals have a responsibility to deliver more than just ideas uh, I, I pull it with conspiracy theorists all, all the time because they come on and they want to give me their ideas about conspiracy theories and then most of the times it's just like an idea that they had to throw at the wall and want to see what sticks it's not well thought through but almost always it comes it starts with the, the word they and I'm like you have a responsibility to identify 
they mm-hmm. in specific terms. You can't just say they. I want to know names, places, and, and you know facts. In other words, this is not a conversation with a open-ended they mm-hmm. that could be mm-hmm. anything. Do intellectuals who are putting together out ideas like this, like Sam Harris and others who put out this idea, have the responsibility to go further and say, explain? You know, you just can't put out something out there. What? What is? What is determining? Uh, our thoughts and actions, not just mysterious force, right? Or or they not have a responsibility to explain that at all. Well, mainstream determinists believe that 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 physical causes that started in a chain at the Big Bang and go forward as predestined mechanically and can't change that that's the fundamental basis for our thoughts and actions. For our and thoughts, then, sorry. For individual thoughts and actions, because that, that's where it, it seems I can understand a cosmic energy that caused nothing to be blow up and become something. I can almost wrap my head around that. Not like I, I, not Brian Greene or, or <laughs> but physicist, but uh, I can almost wrap my head around that. But that it would become a, a powerful enough energy that also is very individual and controlling my thoughts and your thoughts at the same time, but giving us different thoughts. That's where it just seems like it just broke down into a bunch of random chaos. Is that, is that what that, the super intelligent energy of the universe has become just random uh, bits of information that end up controlling your thoughts and my thoughts and 8 billion people's different thoughts. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it, it kind of breaks down for me as a a layperson who you know again not a not by nature mm-hmm. an academic. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a determinist, it would be like you said, it would be random events and causal events. They do believe in causal events. They do believe in causation. One of the one of the areas where you have to approach this is that there's all kinds of problems with causation, and they take it for granted that there's such a thing as causal relations between events. Um, so they believe it does break down the way you sort of fractured it all up and deconstructed it into, you know, all this random stuff. I think they're more, they more lean towards causal forces than that predominate over random, but it doesn't really matter for the purposes of, of their illogic. It, it's if we don't control our thoughts, we don't control our thoughts and you can't tell us, that we don't control our thoughts or anything else for that matter. Right. By the way, Brian Greene is a terrific example of somebody who, who does it right in the sense that he says he's a determinist, he's a scientist, he's a physicist, but he, he also says, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing loosely. I think I quoted him in the book. He says, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know about the universe, and I, I could turn out to be wrong. I would be surprised if free will turned out to be the case, but there's some fundamental problems in quantum physics and so forth that haven't been resolved. And, and they could be resolved in a way in which consciousness is an essential part of what's going on and, and free will has not been ruled out. So he's one of those exceptions who, who admits that, 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 it, that the bottom line is nothing scientific has ruled out free will, nothing. No, I get, I get it, and I like I like him because he is adaptive and understands that science is a, um, a an evolving thought, and we 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 adapt as we learn more, and and, and you know a lot of people who are anti science use this as a 
uh, you know, kind of like a, a smokescreen to say you can't trust science. But the, the fact is we are advancing our learning and, you know, the excitement around quantum mechanics when it, when it was first a new field created a lot of people just jumping in like Sam Harrison putting out a lot of theories and, and beliefs without necessarily testing them or, or, or you putting through through rigorous debate and, and, mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff. And this determinism seems to be one where I don't know if people are shy about debating it or if they feel like if they do debate it, they're going to come off as like a religious uh, – I don't know what, what the fear is, but it doesn't seem there's a lot of honest intellectual debate about this. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. we're all just going to agree that Mm-hmm. This is the case. There's something out there control- controlling. There's some force that caused the Big Bang that also the same force mm-hmm. is causing me to think this right now and say these words to you right now. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's distressing that there isn't a lot of uh, honesty. Uh, maybe that's that's too harsh of a word, but but it does seem appropriate. Um, there's You'll hear very little determinist troubleshooting. Right. Free will, free will doesn't troubleshoot it. The tapes where you'll hear somebody saying, uh, you know, the world is determined, and that if you say it isn't, you contradict science. But science doesn't say the world is determined. Isn't is determined? Science is not prepared to say that. Brian Greene said it in one way, but 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 half the top quantum theories say that the world is determined, and half of them say that the world is probabilistic, which keeps open the the, the door for free will. So they just unabashedly say, science, you're going against science. Well, what science? You, you selected the science because the jury's out, which is where I started, which right. is that, that, that there's so many fundamental questions that we don't know that are more basic than, than free will that I don't think it's fair to say, let alone declare, that you know there is free will. You know that there isn't free will. And that was the big asterisk that I made at the beginning. Yeah. And in terms of the other honesty, it, 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 I mean, I don't know if this is peculiar to Harris. No, it isn't, because the woman with the seven to 10 seconds is saying the same thing. He misquotes the science test, the neuroscience test. Now he's a neuroscientist, and he picked three tests, and he misquoted them. I uh, shouldn't say that. He quoted the headlines, the little blurb, but the conclusion doesn't match the headlines. Right. And and he he represented that the test stood for something that they absolutely don't stand for. They stand for the opposite. There's a lot of that going on in all sorts of intellectual debate lately. And I, I'm not sure if it's dishonesty or that scientists or intellectuals uh, – don't understand that headline writing mm-hmm. is meant to make it's just to entice you to read the article. It's not the story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think um, I think it, it could be a mixture. Some of them come, some are truly dishonest, but some of them just don't understand the nature of headline writing, and and that it's just a bait to get you to read the article. Really, exactly. Well. I don't know the answer. Sam Harris seems like an honest, upright, decent guy who does believe in morality, and and he and he seems like he has a lot of integrity. As I said, yeah, I, I, I agree. Mean, I agree. This but is why it's a study. But when he cites three studies and for the for the proposition that we're determined by neural brain impulses before we speak or decide, 
And one of the tests, and none of the tests endorse neural brain determinism. One did, but the guy changed his mind. And the other tests find a one found a 65% correlation, and the test concluded that there was no possible way that those uh, uh, that the data could be read to support determinism. And he's quoting them in a book that's supporting determinism and presenting them, presumably, to support his position. Oh, look, here's what the neuroscience says. But if you don't go and read the neuroscience, you go, oh, gee, that's wow, science says that. But science doesn't say that. And of those three tests, guess what? There's about 25 others that, 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 that point out plausible problems with the, the tests that he mentioned, including the fact that the central measurement of the tests he points to has been discredited. It's been discredited, the central measure of the tests. So he's a neuroscientist. I can't explain why he's pointing to tests that disprove any causal connection between those prior neural impulses. You have to read to the end. You read the conclusions. Don't take my word for it, audience, stoned or not stoned. Take a look at the tests. You'll see they say the opposite of what he's citing them for. Right. I can't explain why. He seems like a, a, a decent guy who, who's honest. The, the irony and the, the funny part about it is if I want to throw him a bone and give him the benefit of the doubt, that benefit of the doubt tends to tear his argument apart. The benefit of the doubt is that he's a human being and, and frail, uh, frail like all of, our, uh, all of us are, incomplete people, not perfect people, and doesn't see the, the – incentive for him to want to be right and to so he's probably doing this making a decision to use that stuff in an honest way but making that decision in an honest way takes uh takes it off of whatever it was supposed to be controlling his free will to do that mm -hmm. so the irony is for me to try to give him any defense at all or try to mm -hmm. uh, throw him a bone it's a benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. undermines his argument completely <laughs> it would have to so he doesn't want my defense on that <laughs> i think that's kind of funny that's right you were just determined to make that sense yeah. but, that defense but kidding aside i mean sure we're all humans we all have our blind spots we all right. have all kinds of uh trauma yeah. and motivation and neurosis that lead us in different directions I'm showing the book right now, uh, Are We Really Biochemical Robots? And I can't help but notice, and the, the uh, website is, is going in the scroll right there, and the link is in the description, so make it easy for people. I can't help but notice the book behind you, in the, the wall behind you, is a workbook. It's not the same book. The mm -hmm. workbook, uh, mm -hmm. what is mm -hmm. that? Exercises, what, I mean, what's the nature of the workbook? Well, what... In about, I hope, two weeks, if the artist uh, doesn't let me down, um, I'm going to come out with an illustrated version of the book with some really cool, fun art. And it tries to illustrate some of the quantum stuff and the, uh, the, science, the, neuro, the neuroscience test that I talked about, sort of putting in the sequence. Originally, um, I was going to do a workbook with questions and all of that. I ended up putting all of that in the current, the new edition. Ah. It's got the pop quizzes at the end. It's got every chapter. It's got the uh, uh, key questions to be discussed. And what the workbook became an illustrated version. And that's, that's, that's an old piece of art. I think I'm going to call it the illustrated version rather than a workbook. Right. Because most of the workbook was put into the, to, to the new edition. 
But th- but thanks for asking. It was a, it's an evolving project. No, I can yeah, and I'm not uh, suggesting you do this, but I I feel like it probably needs two versions, one for one for academics and one for lay people. Like a are we really robots for dummies? I'm sorry folks, but uh, and uh, I hate mm-hmm. the, I hate that uh, you know, title. I hate that that trend to say for dummies. But honestly, I'm intimidated by your book, and I'm one of the people who uh, who is interested and incentivized to care about these things and be mm-hmm. interested in them. Mm-hmm. But it's also a little intimidating for me, and I have to think for for the ag- mm-hmm. average high school graduate type of person mm-hmm. who never went to college mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. As you say in in our opening. This is a very important question, uh, spiritually, uh, for responsibility, morally, and all that kind of stuff. It's a very important question. These are important ideas to, to discuss, but for some people, might be intimidated away from discuss, uh, discussing them. I feel like kind of dumb it down for the masses a little bit, and I hate that that, that we have to do that. But I feel mm-hmm. like it, it's an important step. <laughs> anyway. Well, I have I have two responses. One. Okay. I'm happy to do uh, a, 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 a more basic version. By the way, I did try to be as, as basic as I could be. It's, it's, it's hard when you have a difficult topic, especially in the quantum section, because quantum science is hard to reduce to some <laughs> simple that's, ideas. That's, uh, coming back to Brian Green, that's one of his gifts, is he is able yeah. to really make it uh, palatable for the common man. And, uh, I, you know, I applaud him for that. But I, I also, you know, I'll give you some kudos for attacking this uh, subject. Mm-hmm. You have uh, inspired me to renew my effort to get Sam Harris on the program. And if I do... I'm going to extend the invitation to you to join us because uh, sure. I, I don't feel like I'm up up to the, the discussion without well, having, having you there. My two comments to you to to your thought was number one, I'll put out a, a more sort of basic version if you will be my editor. That's oh, sure. Absolutely, that's number one. Um, uh, I think I forgot at this point. Number two. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. Um, I'll come back to it if I if I think of it. But um, uh, I try I tried as best I could to address his audience as best I could. But but he's he he it, his is a short book. That's a fair point to give him that right. right. Can't put everything in a for a short book. On the other hand, his allocation of resources. He tells anecdotes and he you know, strays onto arguments that don't mean anything and so forth. Um, so he gets some some of a break there as a defense. Um, uh, but what I was going to say to you is I think you're selling yourself short, if I may be so bold and, and, and bombastic, which is that you, you, you get all the common sense core of this. All the rest is window dressing. You get the idea that this is an experience that pervades our life and that if you if it's going to be wrong, you better have some pretty damn good reasons and proof to show it's wrong okay yeah that's the common sense one the other common sense one is once you see the contradiction which you saw in two seconds you see that it's contradictory to claim that you know what's true and also at the same time to claim that everything that's put in your head about what's true whatever is put in your head you have no control over it um 
So you see that. You also see the third simple common sense. And I think, as I say in the book, sometimes common sense makes the most sense, which is that if you don't control your actions and you have a gun to your head, how the hell can you have responsibility? You can't. That's the bottom line. It's that simple. Yeah, and, and, and we didn't talk about it, but the corollary is you can't have morality because everything you think about right and wrong just thrown into your head. It's not based on moral truth. It's not based on moral principles. It's based, if you're a determinist, on cold, hard, unthinking, insentient, non-living physical forces of dominoes. So, so you, how do you have morality? You're not, there's no moral truth. There's just what you think is moral truth is thrown into your head. So that the third commonsensical thing is there is no responsibility. So morality, if we have guns to our head, and everything, about, well, everything that we think about right and wrong is pre-programmed. We don't think about what's right and wrong. We're told what to think. Right. So those are so, so. Those are. That's really the core of the whole issue that I have with determinism. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose the fourth one I have. The fourth one is the one I started out with, which is if you think in the context of the unsolved cosmic mysteries and what scientists admit, the fundamental cosmic stuff, all that's unknown, right? But oh yeah, there's no free will. That's the nature of consciousness. It's like what? Especially since science has not said that the world is determined, but but that that opens up sort of the scientific area. So the four, the fourth thing is common sense, right? I mean, it is common sense. We have all these unsolved mysteries, but did you know we don't have free will? I don't know how the universe was born. We don't understand consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, to me, the, the responsibility question comes down to, you know, turning it all around is if you're going to put out ideas like this, you're responsible for making them fully baked ideas. I think, in my opinion, you should, if you're going to put out an idea that is going to change the nature of the way we see reality, you have some responsibility to really think it all the way through that rather than present it as half-baked, where even a guy like me can see the holes in your argument that's that's mm -hmm. really an indictment that you really haven't done your homework. You just kind of think, and, and if that's the case, you shouldn't have put out a book yet. You should wait until you really have it all figured out before you start. Uh, you can open the ideas up for suggestions, but don't put it out as an authority. And this is these are you know this is the new dogma, and here it is. And I know it's half baked, and don't ask me questions that I can't answer. And, I think you have a responsibility to be able to answer these questions. That's where uh, that's where it gets really disappointing. <laughs> Do you know, you know what Harris says about responsibility? Do you know how he he justifies it? No. He says he says uh, uh, that uh, we have to pretend. We have to use the conventional framework, is his words, to pretend that people are responsible, that they have free will. And when he analyzes various things, what does he do? He goes to free, free will values in order to say an infant isn't responsible for accidentally shooting a gun, but a, but a rational adult is responsible and so forth. So we have to pretend. Now, okay, that almost speaks for itself, right? If we have to pretend that people have free will to have responsibility, isn't that admitting that if you go by determinist principles purely and simply in a determinist framework, there is no such thing as responsibility? Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, well, who's, who's going to choose to pretend? 
Right. <laughs> who's going to follow that your advice that we pretend? We would say we can't because we don't the have. The decision well. to pretend is telling whatever is forcing your or, or, or really in charge of your will. Uh, it's telling them to go left themselves. I. <laughs> this is where this is where we part ways, and you're not in charge anymore. And so, and then it blows apart the entire uh, mm-hmm. premise because if you can do that, then you never then it never existed in the first place. It's it's very very odd. Uh, I call it in the book, I, I call it free will speak. Yeah. <laughs> Double speak. On the, they're, 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 they're in the same sentence, you know, it's like, uh, let me persuade you that determinism is true. Huh? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm not sure that we, I know I learned some things here tonight, but I'm not sure that we've advanced um, any anything here because I don't think when you talk about persuasion, that we're going to ever persuade a determinist to come off off of that belief because it's important to them for whatever reason. And probably each individual has different reasons for wanting to protect that model of the world as they see it. As mm-hmm. all of us, we, we mm-hmm. I think a lot of what we, the way we interpret reality is based on our own, what we need to protect for in our own psyche. Uh, you know, a, a lot of that. And so mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to change any minds. If that w- that wasn't your intent to try to change his mind, was it? Well, my intent was, first of all, to get the word out to sort of balance these these distortions, whether they were scientific or argument or morality. So I wanted something to get out there and balance it. Um, the second reason was they, that whether we're going to convince somebody or not they have to address the questions they have to address the problems right they have have to do a little bit of honest troubleshooting and say yeah that's a problem Hmm, here's how i think it might be solved what what do you think do you buy into that there's none of that right well they don't have to answer the question obviously because they sam harris walked off the stage when some I think so. I gotta find that, but I've never seen him him discuss it directly. I'm gonna be looking for it tonight. Believe me, I'm I've got my work cut out oh. for me. I'm gonna be looking for Sam Harris addressing some of these uh, these points that we brought up tonight. In and you know, it, it probably I'm not expecting to have a whole lot of success because there's a lot of yeah. clips uh, to sit through with he, him. He, he he. There's two things out there. He there's some there's some stuff where he basically um, speaks the book. Right. And then there's other words where he more extemporizes on the principles set forth in the books. Right. And, and to my knowledge, uh, none of them are address the issue. Although here's something kind of interesting. He put out a best of some kind of best of series, best of Sam Harris. And somebody called my attention to the free will section. Okay. The divided into topics. And I listened to the free will section and I almost fell over in my chair because the section on science, the science tests, which I'm highly critical of his presentation uh, and, and, and the selectivity of it, were out. Wow. He took them out. Not only that, but there was a disclaimer at the very end. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't want to get it wrong. But, but as I best recollect it, it said, we are taking out the section of the science tests because there's been a lot of controversy about them, okay? And however, 
Mr. Harris, or however they said it, uh, commends that you read the Libet study. Libet was the first study in 84 or so, which set the whole studies off, which he quotes as one of his three. He said, but, but, but the Libet study is very interesting, and we commend the, the reader to take a look at it. Now, what he did was somehow, instead of just saying, I'm taking them out because there's a problem, right? I mean, right. clearly there's a problem. He says there's controversial, but if you really believed in the science test, you'd say, so what if they're controversial? I believe that this is what they stand for. And you address the controversy. You address the... I, I, I have a whole section on the science. I take apart his tests, and then I leave out all the tests that he didn't talk about. But my point being is that what... But after he says that they're unreliable, he... Or, excuse me, that there's controversies, without saying that the controversy is that they've all been discredited, right? Okay? Then he, he commends one of the tests... Only one of the whole neuroscience landscape that has discredited the whole line of tests, he's still referring to the first test, where the author of that test reversed course and disclaimed the very test he's suggesting. And he's saying to the readers to take a look at it because it's interesting, instead of saying, hey, there's a whole other bunch. Of, first of all, that guy repudiated his own studies. Okay? Yeah. So bear that in mind when you read his studies. Secondly, a whole host of other tests have discredited the central measure that's used, which is the moment of consciously deciding. Subjects can't, it's just tenths of a second, they can't do it. And that's been proven by a number of studies. So instead of saying there's all kinds of tests that, that, that discredit the central methodology, and there's a whole line of tests that say, even if that were true, this is not what's going on. Instead of, again, giving an honest uh, balance, let's say, view of the neuroscience, they said, we took this out because it's controversial. But, but go ahead and look. The Libet test is interesting. Singling out the test that's clearly wrong, disclaimed by the person who wrote it, and not mentioned all these credible other tests. Now, I'm not saying those other credible tests are absolutely gospel. But I am saying that you, you have to give an honest appraisal to people who don't know the neuroscience landscape of what it says. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm going to be listening with new fresh ears now to all, uh, all this, uh, topic from, from not just from, from him, but all the people who were on in that school. Um, hadn't really thought about it since 2010, 2011, whenever the, the book originally came out. But, uh, because, you know, basically you, you see smart people saying stuff. Uh, and for me, uh, it feel like who am I to kind of dig deep in, into this and challenge them on it. But now that you've presented these ideas, I've got a whole set of fresh ears and eyes to kind of uh, listen to their arguments. And I'm sure, you know, it's just going to trigger some. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. All that kind of stuff. So I do appreciate you being here and uh, hopefully uh, mm -hmm. other people will, will gain some knowledge from this and I hope it sells some books for you to be honest with you. Now, can I, uh, do you, are you a religious person? No, no, not, not at all. You're not, you don't describe to, cause no, I'm, just, I'm pretty much in the Sam Harris camp when it comes to that. Well, this is cause the ideas you present would definitely be favorable to people who are religious, right? Or, or not? I it is. It is. It's, it's very interesting. It, it, very much so. Um, you think it was the opposite, 
I went into it thinking, um, you know, God's will, God controls everything, omniscience, omnipotence, and so forth. But actually, the biggest supporters are the uh, the religious groups who say that God gave us free will, and right. and He wanted us to be have temptations and to fight them and to learn and grow. And it's all the scientists, not the people of faith, but the scientists like Harris. It was like, no, 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 no. It's a causal chain. We're all determined. We don't choose our thoughts. We don't choose our actions. Uh, so, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I've I've discovered exactly what you say. And that's why that's why to me it seems like there's an incentive. Let's see if I and I know we're we're long in the tooth here, but um, there's an incentive for people who are atheists and and you know reject religion and to want to. Mm-hmm. want to talk about the lack of free will because free will is at the core of religion it al- almost feels like it, mm-hmm. it's a it's an agenda thing against religion which i have to somehow f- be able to prove even if there are these problems i'm going to pretend that there are no problems because mm-hmm. i really want to discredit uh theists and and not and not that i think there's necessarily anything evil intent in, in that. I think just, you know, if you're an atheist and you're a committed atheist and you believe that religion is a problem, and I know he definitely comes down on the side, and I couldn't agree more that organized religion and religion in itself can be really a negative effect on people that you want to, you, you have an, uh, an agenda to make the world better by relie- relieving the world of superstition and magical thinking. That, that can yeah, be... And- an incentive by saying there is no such thing as free will, so we can destroy that whole superstition stuff. But in fairness, I mean, he comes out for spirituality, and his his spiritual stuff is terrific. And his uh, lectures on meditation and a spiritual life are, are terrific. So that sort of gets more into the religious slash spiritual side of things, and yet he's the scientist when it comes to this particular issue. Crazy. So he's he's a little bit split on that, and you have to give him credit for the for the embracing of the spiritual side. Yeah, but I think they come down more on against. It's not just against God, theism, and so forth. I think they come against uh, t- determinism. Comes down against humanity. I mean, we got to be responsible, not to be preachy about it, but we don't need religion. It's fine to have it. But mainly, we need to be a little bit more responsible and careful about how we're going about things. And 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 I think if you say that we're biochemical robots, by the way, I never said this. I should I in the beginning that that's a phrase that comes from his book, um, and a metaphor for the fact that we are just uh, robots, but we're and biochemical. It's our our quarks and our leptons and our this and that from the Big Bang that's determining. That's our programming. Um, but if we're just that, um, we need morality and ethics even more if there's not a God or a theist thing, arguably. Right. So I think it's coming down. I'm just sort of just sort of adding to something you said that it's it's that they're going against uh, perhaps theism and all of that, but they're also going against humanity and what we need. Absolutely going against humanity. This whole idea of no morality, no truth, no, and no responsibility, no accountability is – uh, we, we might as well just, you know, go to complete chaos then, if that's the case. And- unless we pre- unless we choose to pretend. 
<laughs> well, it's all so confusing. Well, I, I'm glad you uh, you came here tonight, and I'm going to be talking about this probably very clumsily with my morning show tomorrow morning, trying to explain these ideas uh, on my own. I hope I don't screw them up, but I'll be uh, pushing your book. <laughs> if that makes any. Uh, well, thank you. And there is there is key questions in each chapter that could orient, possibly help orient you as to what the issues are. Cool. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will definitely uh, – I'll have the book there as – And a, you, if you want, I, I can edit your talk just like you're going to edit my new book. That's, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I will definitely have the, the book handy as a uh, crutch to get me through the conversation this morning, uh, tomorrow morning. It's going to be mostly the celebration of a, a guest who's been on several times who's finished his first year in stand-up comedy that – but I'm going to be talking about this. I know it's a heavy, heavy subject for the morning too. But because uh, now I'm juiced on it, and it's like anything when it, if it something inspires you, you want to share it with people, and you you want people to know about. It. So I uh, wish you good luck with the book, and I would love to have you back sometime again. I'm going to try. I'm serious about trying again. I, I tried years ago to get Sam Harris mm-hmm. on, but uh, if I can, I definitely will extend an invite you to come on and be part of that discussion like a panel discussion yeah and if you can't get him and you read this stuff and you have some you want to kick it around at a level where you've um thought about it more processed it more happy to come back love love that That, that's that would be very cool well thank you for coming and have a great evening over there on the west coast enjoy your (laughs) your night thank you you take care david lawrence folks uh are we really biological robots? You know, I didn't even get into the whole thing with Pastor Joshua Smith, the AI guy who <laughs> um, <clears throat> believes that we have to start preparing humanity for robot rights, robot. It seems like some of this, it, it, that morality and, and the idea that we owe some... I don't know, some reverence to robots as part of this idea that we're determined to create AI and create a robotic world as part of like this whole, it's almost a the, the, uh, theological belief that God created us in his image. We are biological robots and we are creating robots that are in our image based on us being it's all it's all very convoluted but uh, i'd love to know what you thought about this uh conversation write to me at info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com tomorrow morning uncle walt uh he's been on the morning program i believe three times he's completed his first year just this week first year in stand-up comedy and has some really interesting stories uh from his frustrations and challenges he's faced and so uh we'll be talking to him and and seeing him uh uh kind of deliver the end of the year state of the (laughs) beginners in comedy uh state of the union state of the state state of the individual whatever it is in comedy tomorrow morning so join me then thanks for coming have a great rest of your night and bye for now
me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.